The theme for our Bible readings this morning is the Spirit's work in our sanctification. And there are two readings, one from Romans and one from Philippians. And the first is from Romans chapter 8, verses 5 to 8, which is on page 862, for those who may wish to follow it. <clears throat> Verse 5. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. And then from Philippians, chapter 2, verses 12 to 18, page 900, for those following up. <clears throat> Dear friends, you have always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. <clears throat> do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticise you. <clears throat> Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life, then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life pouring it all out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should reduce, rejoice, and I will share your joy. May this reading be blessed by God's name. Indeed, this St Andrews is God's word. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we do pray right now that our hearts would be open to what you want to say. We pray that, Lord, that you would do a work in our hearts through your Holy Spirit. I we pray for me that what I would say would be pleasing in your sight. Any communicator of the gospel always gets things wrong, even in tone or body language, uh, or perhaps what they say just runs abrasively, unnecessarily abrasively against someone with hurts going on in their lives. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you'd work through me, but also, Lord, on those who are listening, both on YouTube, podcast, and here this morning at First and Second Service, we ask in your name that your words would resonate, there would be a miracle that would take place, and that people would leave here forever changed, not because of anything I have said, but because of something you have said by your Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. So if you're visiting, we are carrying on with our series on Romans. We just pick a book of the Bible and work passage by passage through the entire lot. The hard bits, the easy bits, uh, bits that, that might, might run abrasive to, to, to us when you hear it, the whole lot, passage by passage. And the reason we do that is so I'm not hobby-horsing, and that hopefully, in the midst of uh, over the, a period of time, God speaks uh, rather than me. And so... Is this this morning's passage? I don't know. When I was a young, when I was a young sort of person, first reading the Bible, I thought there's parts of the Bible that are just really abrasive. And I was like, "That's really abrasive. That's really rude. How can you say such things?" And one of those passages, actually, a little bit like this morning, where God's word puts people into two different categories, and it's really quite stark. Uh, you know, it's it's got uh, life and death, good and bad outcomes. You know, it reminds me of the teacher. If you don't do this, you're going to be a failure. You're going to have a teacher like that. You know, there's good students and bad students, or like, you know, I can remember, like, well, if you're at you like that, I want to be a bad student, uh, was sort of be my attitude, but there was, this passage does take us sort of a thing here, it's very stark, one group has the Holy Spirit in them, and that is their minds, their heart pleases the God, and the, the result is they inherit a peace in life, the other group's heart and mind is hostile to God, and they inherit, tragically, eternal death, and the second group can never please God. Let's have a look at both groups. The first one dominated by sinful thinking. And I've just uh, highlighted the, the bits in there in bold. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. Verse 7, for the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws. It never will. That's why those who are still under control of their sinful nature can never please God. What the scripture is saying is that those that do not have the Holy Spirit within them are unable to receive the things of God, nor are they able to submit to God or please God. And most of the time, they don't want to either. I mean, to a certain extent, this is pretty obvious. I think about when I was, uh, before I was a Christian, I didn't want to submit to God. I wasn't interested in the things of God. It was weird, strange things that you guys would get up to. Why well, I remember dragged along to church and people singing and why would people, people, I had this person next to me raising their hands up and it was like... Why they, I felt really uncomfortable. Why are you raising your hands like that? And it was like this. And it, just, you just, it was just weird. And, and then, you know, and, and people reading the Bible was so boring and dull. And oh, a whole list of things I can't do. It's like, what was this ruining my life book? Why would someone want to have that? And so I was, I was hostile to it. And then my sister started praying for me. I was like, oh, don't do that. Why wouldn't we praying? I'm, I'm living a good life. You know, if there's a God, I'm good enough. And so there was, that, there was a hostility that was there. Yes, I had a curiosity, and at times got, I felt the pull of the Spirit, but there was a hostility uh, within me. And a lot of people, I think, if you reflect on your pre-Christ nature, uh, you will, there will be parts of you, that, that battle and that nature, you can get to see it quite evidently. And then there is the second one. Here the Scriptures say, Those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So those whom are spirit-filled, controlled by the Holy Spirit, the thoughts that come into their mind are just are not natural. They, you know, it's like when I, when I give my life to Christ and I felt this desire, it's like, oh, you should give away all this money to this, this, this homeless person. 
I, before, I would never have thought of that. It was like homeless person, bad person, bad decisions, they deserve it. That'd be sort of my attitude, walking around, just, you know, walking around. But those sorts of crazy ideas start to enter, and it was a, a welling of compassion and generosity, which the Holy Spirit brings. And so this is really, really important. If you're a spiritual seeker listening on podcast or YouTube, just checking out the Christian faith, this is 101 Christian faith. Whether you agree with it or not, it's just handy to know this is what Christians think that we're not a whole bunch of ideologies like communism or other ideologies that are out there where you just have this whole bunch of head stuff and you just learn sort of this stuff and you sort of stuff it into your brain like an intellectual series of beliefs. The Christian faith is all about a miracle that takes place in the heart and it takes place through the Holy Spirit. Only God can do a work in the life of me or you to bring about saving faith. This is not about ideology. This is not about outward religious performance. It has got nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with the work of the Spirit in the life of the believer. The wind blows where it wishes, Jesus says, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. A miracle happened. The Spirit opened your eyes, Acts 16, 14. That was with the Damascus Road encounter. God shone in your heart omnipotent, causing you to see the light of the gospel, the beauty and the glory of God. Before, there's this sense in which you, you, you were, we were dead to God. You don't want Him. You had no desire. There was a hostility. But once God came into your life, you no longer saw the cross as foolishness. You saw the beauty of God. That the Spirit of God made you alive, no longer blind. The cross in Christ and His Word becomes attractive. And this is one of the key things that happened in my life. God's word and God's promises became more attractive than the promises and temptations of sin. It's not that I didn't still have those temptations. Unfortunately, I did and still do. But actually, Jesus Christ and his promises and pleasing him became more desirable. I remember the first time after I'd given my life to Christ and I was following him. And then I had that, those temptations inside there. And who's had those sort of voices right there inside? And I decided, yeah, well, why not? No one's seeing. Oh, I'm going to help myself. And then straight after it, I felt so terrible. I've dishonored Jesus. I feel so bad. I was crying. Now, before I'd encountered Christ, I would have thought, what a freak. But that was the work that the Holy Spirit had done in my life. I was no longer blind, and I realized I disappointed my Lord. This is not something that can happen through head knowledge or some preacher up the front. It is a work of the Spirit. Here's the passage. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. You guys see that? That is the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. So according to this morning's passage, God's Spirit working in us is essential to producing a life that pleases God, right? And this, is, this should be really freeing if you've got children or grandchildren who are not following the Lord or, or a husband or a wife or people around you and are not following Jesus and you're thinking, well, maybe if I did, and you sort of think, maybe if I just gave them this Bible passage, you know. And so, um, you know, my sister, when when she found out I was, you know, had wanted nothing to do with it, she would often buy me birthdays and Christmas presents of everything to do with Bible, Jesus and Bible stuff, just flooding. Has anyone had Christians do that to you? 
It was sort of annoying. It's like, oh, I know what I'm going to get for Christmas. It's going to be another Christian thing. It's, you know, so this one's going to be foisted upon me. And so that was what my sister was doing. But actually, that was good. But actually, what, what really was needed wasn't more of those books, as wonderful as they were. I'm not criticizing my sister at all. She was on the right track. But what was needed was a work of the Spirit in my life to change my desires and to give me the power to no longer go the path that I'd gone before. And without that Holy Spirit within my life, Everything else was, was wasted. And so this gives you a sense that you need to pray for a miracle. If you have someone who's not following the Lord, pray that God would open the eyes and that for the first time they would see the light of the gospel. I saw, uh, it was a lady, I was in the Anglican church in Nelson, and she was 91. She'd gone to the Anglican church her entire life. She'd been baptized as an infant, confirmed by the bishop. She'd been involved in the, in the pottery group, in the woman's circle. She'd been involved in everything. And then Richard Dyer came along. He was a, a gospel preacher, an Anglican vicar. And he started doing alpha courses and things like this. And she thought, oh, well, I can do another religious thing and come along. And why she went. And then for the first time at 91, she heard the gospel. Well, then she gave, I think, the minister a bit of the vicar, a bit of a thing. She wanted to be adult baptized. You're not supposed to do that in the Anglican church. Once you've been really been baptized. But she was, she said, I've discovered Jesus. For at 91, the light of the gospel for the first time shined in her life. She had gone from religion to the Christian faith. And I can tell you at 91, only God can do the work of a heart. If you've been in church your whole life and been blinded, it is a work of the spirit that only God can do. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Right? Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So what can we do to cultivate the Spirit's work in our heart? If the Holy Spirit's work in our heart is vital for the Christian faith, to have it, to go from death to life, then how do we grow in it and how do we cultivate it? Well, first, we need faith. Hebrews 11:6 6 says, does anyone know? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. We put our faith in Christ. We thankfully accept his free forgiveness for the wrong things we have done. He offers it as a free gift. And then if the repentance is real and authentic, the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, comes into our life. Faith and repentance. That's the first step you want to have the Holy Spirit cultivate. But next after that is, is a sense of opening to your word. But always realize that even if you give yourself to the Lord and start to do this, it is a spiritual battle. That what is actually taking place, even right now, as I'm speaking, potentially in some people's hearts, is a spiritual battle. This is a, let's have a reading of it, of the spiritual battle of the Holy Spirit's work, but other spiritual forces at work. Therefore, since God in His mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the Word of God. We tell the truth before God, and all who are honest know this. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Christ's sake. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. 
when we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. Do you get to see that? Paul goes and says, actually, this whole gospel stuff isn't about eloquent preaching. It is not a TED talk. <laughs> it's a miracle. It's about Jesus, and, it's, and only God can do it. And God has got this incredible light and traction that's there, but what is at work is there is a veil over the eyes of those who are rejecting, where the gospel's not attractive, it's not beautiful, they don't want it, and it's a bit of a rigmarole probably if they're hearing about it. And, God, and, and there's this battle. And I can remember the time of my life when I felt the veil starting to come off, and it was a huge pressure. I felt it inside, and I felt, but I want my past life. I want to do what I want to do. And I felt that. Has anyone felt that battle in their lives? That is the work of God and also the work of Satan trying to veil us. And so there's a work that happens in the heart by the Spirit that enables us to see. The good news we preach is hidden behind a veil. If, if, if the good news is we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan was the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. So this is really important. If something is to happen in your life, there is a battle happening. God is trying to reveal the light of the gospel to you to make it glorious. And uh, there's no slick preaching from me that's going to do this. God, it's a work of God. And there's a spiritual force right now at work trying to veil it. Does that make sense? Are you guys, are you guys aware of that? Right? And so every Sunday, I pray, we pray before I preach. Why do I do that? Because I'm praying God will do a miracle in your hearts. Every one of your guys' pews I prayed over this morning. I know it sounds really lame. You're going walking up and down the pews praying. That's what I do over the seats. And I'm praying, oh, Jesus, I'm so useless. I can't do anything. Oh, God, that you would say something that would be from your word that would pierce a heart today. Only you can do a miracle in someone's heart. Those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. All right, so how do we cultivate the spirits in life? And I first pray, ask, ask the Lord into your life. Repent, turn away from the things that you know have led you away. Start reading the Bible. Start crying out for his word. And as you start to, to actually seek him and cry out for his word and to read it, faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. I think Romans 10, 6, maybe. I think if I got that right. Uh, uh, let me just check, check. Uh, Romans chapter 10, 17. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, Romans 10, 17, but it's like the wrong verse. I said 6, 17. I, I sometimes get my dresses wrong. And so that, that is, faith comes by hearing by what God does in our heart. All right, so let me just finish with this. Um, Catherine, as you know, um, if you're a visitor, you don't know, but for everyone else here, is, you're painfully aware, as I am very painfully aware of my wife's terminal cancer diagnosis. And Catherine's really irritating me on some things. She is hyper-organized. And like, so she's organizing stuff for her funeral, which just is really surreal and painful at the same time, having you know, the, the one person you love most in the world after Jesus Christ sitting there trying to organize things for, her, for a funeral. And, uh, and she was sitting there, and she likes to organize my life. So she's organizing things that I'm supposed to say at the funeral. She said, I want you to get this story, and that, oh, that one's really good as well. And I'm like, sitting there, like, she's trying to organize my, my, my thing. And so she came up with one story. I said, no, I don't want to tell that story. No, 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 that's really embarrassing. She said, oh, yes, you've got to say that one. 
And but as I was thinking about it this week, I thought, oh my goodness, this relates very well to the sermon. So you guys are going to hear this little preview. It's actually how Catherine and I met. And it actually relates to this text here very powerfully. Bear, are you guys willing to bear with me? All right. So when Catherine and I were meeting with a young Christian group at the Nelson Institute of Technology, and these young guys and young girls hanging out, and I saw, um, you know, there was, and I saw that the first time I saw it, there was Catherine, and she was there with her best friend, who was at the time, Naomi. And so there I saw them, and it was very superficial. I looked at one of them and just said, oh my goodness, this is the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. I thought, well, she's okay, I suppose. The one that was okay, I suppose, was Catherine. And so I later told Catherine about a year later, and she laughed. She found that hilarious. And that's the one she did with the story. But let me just bear with me. I was like, I don't want to share that at a funeral. It'll, be like some, it'll go down like a lead balloon. But later on, as I was going out, Catherine was doing this, um, this, this course where she was doing different placements, and she had a placement for a preschool. And the preschool she found out was the church that I was going to. So, and that she turned up was working, the pastor was chatting to her, and, and he invited her to the youth group to come along. And Catherine was like, yeah, I'm a joiner. He said, I even know one of the guys that go there. It's Alistair. So she rang me up, and this is the old landline phones back in the day. Uh, and so she rang me up on the landline and said, do you want to come along? And I said, do you want to come and join me? We can go together. And so we, I agreed. And so I met with her, and we walked down. We went to the, it was an ooh-yuck night at, at youth group. I have no idea what was in the Bible study. My eyes were just all on Catherine. No idea what the minister youth pastor said. And then afterwards, we started going for a walk, and we started walking up the hills of Richmond. Well, we got, I got to bed at about 3 in the morning. Just spent hours. The whole hours went by. And a miracle took place on that hill. And my veil was looking, and I saw the beauty of Catherine. Before, I was like, yeah, you know, it was just another person. And something took place. And that was exactly what happened in my heart with Jesus Christ. When I was a young person, I went to church, did all this religious stuff, but there was a veil over my eyes. I could not see it. But then God was working in me, and the veil was removed. And it was, so it's the same with Catherine as the Christian faith. God, in a sense, and there are passages of Scripture that portray him. I know this, this analogy doesn't work for us guys all the time, but it is a biblical analogy. He's like a, a lover reaching out trying with flowers and chocolates, trying to reach us. Because this is not a head ideology. It's actually about a, a God who loves us so much. And there is, so there's two groups this morning. One group has the Holy Spirit. They inherit life and peace, a peace. And there is desires in them to please God. And then there's a second group. Their hearts and minds, they're on different things. They pursue different things. They have no desire for God. And their destination, eternal destination, is completely different. Which group are you? Has God done a work in your heart this morning? Has the veil been removed? I pray it has. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for your word. And I pray that, Lord Jesus, that you would do a work. We need your spirit's work in this church. We don't need eloquent preaching or good ministry programs. We need your word, the Bible, and we need the Holy Spirit and we need the two to come together into our hearts that rip the veil, that we can see the beauty and the glory of who you are, and, and, and a life of pleasing you. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that we this week would have lives that are pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen.